0: Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses on how to be more eco-friendly every day. I'm your host, Ariel Green. This episode is sponsored by Greenhouse Mercantile. More about our sponsor later. Today's episode is all about ethical fashion. Ethical fashion is the direct opposite of fast fashion. Ethical fashion is garment design, production, and distribution that focuses on reducing harm to people and the planet. While fast fashion relies on cheap and speedy production of low-quality clothing, by using unpaid workers and unsafe factories that pollute local water sources, the air, and contribute to obscene amounts of waste. Most of the top brands we see in the mall or online selling low-priced clothing are classified as fast fashion brands. We're talking about Forever 21, Zara, H&M, and especially online retailers like Fashion Nova, Shein, and Pretty Little Thing. To learn more about the harms of the fast fashion industry, I would recommend watching the True Cost documentary. It'll probably make you want to stop shopping from those top brands immediately. However, we still need to clothe ourselves. As I mentioned a moment ago, the response to fast fashion is ethical fashion. But with all of the greenwashing or brands claiming to be eco-friendly, and they're not, it can be confusing to determine which companies have the best practices. When I've been shopping for these ethical fashion brands, I often come across words like sustainable, fair trade, vegan, organic, and it's hard to determine which one is better, if any let alone even finding ethical brands that are truly ethical. Which brings me to our guest. Today's featured sustainable brown girl is Mathri Ramdas, co-founder of People Heart Planet, an online ethical shopping platform making it easier for people to discover and shop fair trade and sustainable brands. Born and raised in Bangalore, India, Mathri is a social entrepreneur, a passionate advocate for animal welfare and the environment and a leader of the a vegetarian and vegan lifestyle food club. Thanks so much for joining us today, 3.
1: Thank you for having me, Ariel.
0: So I always like to start the episode with um, asking what what made you become interested in sustainability?
1: So I was brought up in a city called Bangalore in the southern Indian state of Karnataka. I was brought up vegetarian and growing up, I was always interested in um, environmental issues and uh, just had a natural affinity towards animals. And it was deeper to me than just not eating meat. Um, I'm still very passionate about vegetarianism and veganism. Um, uh, So I started a food club in my condo about three years ago, where we share vegetarian and vegan recipes. Um, And pre-COVID, we also met in person to kind of try out new recipes and socialize with other people who had similar interests. Um, My aim was basically to inspire myself to eat more plant-based, but also to give others the tools and resources they needed to broaden their knowledge about the ingredients and the cooking methods that went into making plant-based recipes. But I think sustainability as an issue more than a lifestyle became real to me during my college years. Um, My city, Bangalore, uh, was once named the Garden City of India, and we had so many gardens and parks, but that reputation started to erode um, over the years because, you know, of economic development and, you know, all the infrastructure that comes with it. You know, there was a lot of decimation of all the trees. Um, So, you know, this also led to uh, protests by citizens um, to prevent the government from actually chopping down decades old trees. Um, So this loss of green cover actually led to a lot of air pollution and water problems. Um, And this kind of hit home for me because this whole reputation of being the garden city of India um, took a serious blow. Um, And that's when I think I started to become more um, aware of environmental issues and sustainability. Um, In 2010, I moved to Singapore. um, And ironically, I was working in the oil and gas sector. Um, and, you know, as I worked in this industry, I also started to become more aware of sustainability issues and, you know, the looming climate crisis. Um, and also, I feel like, you know, when you start having your kids, you know, looking, you look at climate change from a different angle. You look at, you know, what their future is going to look like and, you know, what sort of world you're going to leave behind for them. So I wanted to also start, you know, um, working a little bit more on my sustainability action. Uh, so I started volunteering for an organization called Climate Conversations based in Singapore. And, um, you know, it's all about sort of spreading awareness about climate change and its effects by making the uh, conversation personal to you, uh, by getting your friends and family involved. Um, so that's how I met my business partner, Devin as well in Singapore. Um, And, you know, that's how the idea for People Have Planet came about. Um, I'll talk a bit more about that later.
0: Yes. I like how you said at first you were interested in sustainability as a lifestyle, but then you started looking at it more as an issue. <laughs> and there is a distinction between the two because, you know, choosing to, you know, shop secondhand or be vegan, that is kind of a lifestyle. But once you kind of start looking at like the environmental issues and wanting to get more involved in spreading the word and more of a, you know, like climate type of you know, environmental thing, that's a whole different thing. So yeah, I like that you made that distinction.
1: Issue, you know, yeah, it's, it's exactly like a change issue that just a lifestyle, personal lifestyle.
0: Right, exactly. Looking at it as from from a lifestyle versus issue um standpoint I know some people feel like their individual action sometimes won't make a difference, like when it comes to corporations and governments who are typically responsible for the bulk of the negative environmental impacts. What would you what do you think is the connection between the individual consumer choices and like a broader social change movement?
1: Um, I mean, of course, this is the million dollar question, isn't it? Is yeah. effort as an individual really going to make a difference in the world? Um, a lot of people have heard the statistic that only 100 companies are responsible for over 71% of global emissions. Um, of course, it's no surprise that it's the usual suspects, you know, that it's the oil and gas companies, the coal companies that are responsible. But I think the important point here is that they keep on, they exist and they keep on producing what they do because of demand. There is a demand for it, so they keep on producing it. So for this change to happen, and for our energy to come from renewable sources, or for our clothing to made from biomaterials, or people to be paid fair wages, um, it's important that all of this will happen when consumers start to demand that too, right? Yes. And you have probably heard of the term ethical consumerism. So we're mm-hmm. all consumers; we all consume something, um, and you know, consuming uh, in a in a conscious manner does really affect the people who make the goods. Um, as well as the health and future of the planet. At People Have Planet, we talk about ethical consumerism as something that differs from person to person, depending on their motivations. Um, And, you know, we kind of want to break down these motivations into five different um, segments in the ethical consumer movement today. Um, The first would be political activism. Um, it's, um, it's also known as voting with your dollar. You must have heard that term as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be a way of uh, you know, influencing or lobbying your uh, you know, local MPs or your local policymakers. You can boycott certain companies or you can buy from certain companies to make your views about human rights and climate change known. Um, and I think this is most effective when uh, you know, it's part of an organized campaign like the Fashion Revolution or the mm-hmm. Clean campaign, for example. Um, the second would probably be value-based consumerism. Uh, uh, this describes a lot of people who don't see themselves as political or as activists, uh, but they do want to align their values of respecting people and the planet with the brands that they uh, want to support. Uh, these people may not be the ones you know, showing up at protests or uh, rallies, but they're still a very important part of the social change movement. Um, And the third one would probably be sustainable living. You know, this is the most common, I would say, because a lot of people are aware of, you know, eco-friendly products that you buy. And it's more a lifestyle and a uh, uh, consumer-driven motivation, I would say. So especially Mm -hmm. linked to reducing your carbon emissions, your carbon footprint and non-bio waste and things like that. Um, Then the fourth one is all to do with human rights. You know, are the people being paid fair wages? Are they working in safe conditions? Um, is there any child labor involved? Uh, human trafficking involved? So it's all about, you know, human rights. The last but not the least would be, you know, very, very, um, you know, also uh, intrinsic part of this is the vegan advocacy movement. Uh, veganism used to be only about diet, but it's it's actually a lot more than that now. It's about promoting a culture Of respecting all life and also understanding that you know you're eating vegan foods actually have a lower impact on the environment and understanding the negative environmental impacts of modern industrial day farming. Um, Obviously a lot of people identify as intersectionalist and ethical consumers can fall into more than one of these categories but um, all of these motivations combined I think are a very strong force in the world today. Um, no doubt we will see more and more brands trying to do better because of this shift in consumer demand. And this is only going to be good for, you know, the planet and the people.
0: Yes, exactly. I definitely do, a, do see a shift um, with a lot more ethical and sustainable brands coming out. But also, too, I have seen a lot of um, of the top brands try to come up with, you know, sustainable lines and, you know, doing a little bit of greenwashing, you know, where it kind of seems like they're not really doing the work overall. Like maybe they have this small line, but overall it's not, you know, not getting any better. I have seen the documentary, The True Cost, and, you know, hearing you break down those different pillars. Yeah. Um, one pillar that The True Cost uh addresses is the you know human the human aspect where you know it kind of follows the um fashion industry is really you know taking advantage of people in these developing countries um so i want to dive a little bit deeper into the human cost right now of you know the fashion industry so and the true cost it, it highlights the injustices and the dangers of the fashion industry to the global south specifically and it seems that the fashion industry is doing more harm than good there and so i was reading like some comments under under the movie on youtube and a lot of people were saying well rather than boycotting these companies shouldn't you know shouldn't you continue to support them because they're uh, you know, they're providing jobs to these people in these countries. Um, so my question to you, what are the pros and cons of globalization?
1: Yeah, I mean, everything that you mentioned right now is true of the fast fashion brands. Um, and, you know, of course, we can discuss globalization for hours on end as a subject. Yeah. Uh, but I'll try and keep it as succinct as I can. Um So born and raised uh, in a country like India, it's a burgeoning, growing economy. Uh, And growing up, I remember going uh, to the seamstresses or the tailors to get my clothing done. We often purchased fabric that was made locally or in the country. Um, You know, it was made of silk or cotton, and we knew exactly who was making our clothes. And it often took days or weeks even for a piece of clothing to be you know, ready based on how elaborate it was this was a perfect example of slow fashion. It was, you know, made to order, uh, you know, it was on demand, crafted uh, locally using indigenous fabrics. And really it was made ethically by people because they were paid fair wages. Uh, and we, we had that connection, you know, to the people who made our clothing, which is, I think, lost now because we don't know where the clothing is coming from. You know, mm-hmm. um, and the brands are often... The clothing from the brands are made from, you know, a different part of the world where you live from, where you live in. Um, Mm -hmm. In the last 30 years, I've seen, you know, India also transition right before my eyes from a closed economy to uh, opening up its uh, economy to global players. And just like other countries like India, this has been both good and bad. Um, I think globalization has played a part in bringing benefits like better access to global markets to rising purchasing power better standards standards of living and in turn it's lifted millions of people out of poverty uh, which can never be a bad thing uh, but how do how does one you know kind of um, ensure that these benefits are gained without harming the planet and mm-hmm. uh, making sure that it's made ethically um, You know, we need a large number of factories to make all of these goods that we demand. But how do you ensure that the emissions from these factories, for example, do not increase air pollution? Uh, It does not harm the people who live in these communities and work in these communities. Um, And how do you ensure that the people are paid fair wages? They're not coerced into working 14 or 15 hours a day with no day off. And they're able to provide basic needs for their family. Um, I think globalization often brings about a debate between free free and fair trade. Um, But we really believe that trade can be both free and fair. You know, companies can trade freely, um, you know, ensuring that the people are treated fairly and their piece of the planet is not exploited for another country's benefit. And the most important and amazing part of globalization is that it's made all of us global citizens. Um, So we can all work together, you know, to make this hope of, uh, you know, a fair, prosperous and safe world a reality.
0: Yes. Wow. That's a great way of uh, putting that. Now let's take a quick break for this episode sponsor. There is the cutest black woman owned shop in my local downtown area called Greenhouse Mercantile. Not only does the store feature products from local artists, Black-owned businesses, and fair trade products, but Kenya also sells zero-waste products like produce bags and wool dryer balls. I never thought I'd be able to find these things locally. Fortunately, she also sells her products online. Plus, Kenya is multi talented and can offer help with curating your capsule wardrobe or making your home a sanctuary with her eye for simplistic interior design. To shop or inquire about virtual availability, visit greenhousemercantile.com. Now, let's get back to my conversation with Mathri Ramdas of People Heart Planet. I I like how you mentioned that the that it's not just you know how the workers are treated, but the fashion industry does also have a big impact on you know climate change with uh, messing up water sources, adding pollution and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's that's definitely something that should be taken into consideration. Um, So I now I kind of want to talk more about your company, People Heart Planet, because you are creating a resource for people to be able to shop more ethically and to shop according to the pillars that you mentioned earlier. Can you tell us more about People Heart Planet?
1: Um, So People Heart Planet came about, uh, you know, as a necessity. Um, So we wanted to shop fair trade and sustainable brands ourselves, but there wasn't an easy way to do it. We found ourselves, you know, we were spending hours and hours doing all this research, combining lists of all the ethical brands. And we realized this information could be so useful to other people if it was published and made available. Um, And then we realized that even better than just a brand's directory would be, you know, an actual shopping site where people could see all of the products uh, and all of the brands uh, in one place. Um, and that's how you know People Have Planet came about. We are an online platform to discover and shop fair trade and sustainable fashion and lifestyle products. Uh, we vet every single brand that we feature to ensure that they uh, are fair trade or sustainable or both. Um, some brands are also vegan and organic. Our motto is, Love people, love the planet, shop, fair trade, and sustainable. Uh, I think love is the only thing that can truly transform the world for the better. You know, love for humanity, love for others. We really believe that people are motivated by goodness and love. And that's Mm -hmm. why people want to buy ethical. And that's why we built People Heart Planet.
0: Yes, I love it. Yeah, it can be so difficult trying to find brands, you know, that are ethical and, and sustainable. And then too, sometimes when I'm shopping for, you know, a ethical or sustainable brand, you see all these different labels like organic and ethical, sustainable, fair trade. How, how do you, is there one that's better than the other?
1: Well, uh, I don't think so. Of course, you know, trying someone who's uh, mm-hmm. a, a proponent of ethical fashion, it does involve you know, ethical is an umbrella term for all of these things, but sometimes it can also mean just fair trade. Um, It can even uh, mean buying locally uh, is also described as ethical. So, you know, you have to dig deeper to find out what the brand's commitment is towards these, um, you know, uh, motivations.
0: Yeah. Are there, when you're vetting different companies, are there certain things that you look for
1: Yes, absolutely. So when we look for the brands, uh, you know, that we want to include on the platform, we first look at, you know, what are their commitments towards the people, the planet, and uh, what are they actually doing? We break it down. We look at their fine print. We look at, you know, their sustainability reports. um, And also, of course, um, you know, what do they say that they're going to do to be a better company? Um, And some of these could be, you know, uh, fair trade, for example, could mean two meanings, you know, fair trade certified, um, you know, which means that they have to meet these 10 criteria that's outlined by the International Fair Trade Charter, um, which all have to do with, uh, you know, things like climate change and gender inequality and social and economic injustices. But fair trade as a general term also means that, you know, they respect the people by paying them fair wages, they allow workers to meet their you know, basic needs and of course, you know, making sure that there's absolutely no child or slave labor and ensuring they work in safe conditions. And when you come to the sustainability aspect, um, you know, fashion brand um, recognizes that every part of their business has an impact on the environment. You know, a big part of their overall overall mission and ethos in addition to making a profit is to reduce the environmental footprint in both in terms of carbon emissions and waste. Um, So this means, you know, examining the whole life cycle of the product from actually sourcing the raw materials to designing it, you know, producing and manufacturing it, warehousing and storage, you know, transportation, uh, the final sale, you know, the use, reuse and recycling of the product. There are a lot of brands, you know, that have different targets and goals. So, you know, but the shared, uh, the bottom line and the shared goal should be that, They prioritize environmental responsibility um, and never put profit over the health of the planet. Um, Some of the other strategies that they use is, you know, water reduction or reduction of the use of, you know, finite natural resources um, or reusing renewable uh, production, renewable energy in their production, um, carbon offsetting or giving their customers a choice of uh, recycling um, their products with them. Um, and also using low impact dyes, organic materials, vegan materials. So there are a lot of things that the brands can do to ensure that they're doing better. Um, And when we come to vegan brands, um, you know, of course, vegan means that they use absolutely no animal products or byproducts in the production. And these brands go way beyond just cruelty free, because cruelty free only means that, um, you know, there's no testing done on animals, you know, in the general Mm -hmm. uh, definition. But this is much more than that, you know, they ensure that absolutely no leather or fur, silk, cashmere or any skin or bone is used in, you know, the production of the product. And when we talk about vegan materials, I also want to make a point that uh, you have to uh, dig a little bit deeper into, you know, checking what the vegan material is made of, uh, because sometimes a lot of it is plastic based. So we do need Mm -hmm. to do more due diligence and that's why we exist. You know, we do this research. We ensure that they're using sustainable materials or biomaterials, you know, like cork or recycled uh, rubber, tree bark, sometimes pineapple leaf, uh, like you must have heard of Pinatex and apple Mm -hmm. fibers. There are some very innovative materials, um, you know, that brands use. And the last um, category would be the organic uh, brands. So in the broad sense of the term, organic just means that they don't use any pesticides or synthetic fertilizers and genetic modification, you know, in, in the production of the raw materials. And uh, usually it refers to the raw material that's used. And uh, largely the majority of the clothing that's made in the world is made from cotton. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, organic cotton is better for the environment. Um and organic cotton can be certified by, you know, the GOT certification, the Global Organic Textile Standards certification. And this certification can only be um, gained if a minimum of 70 percent is organic fibers um, and only mm-hmm. then can it become GOT certified. Um, of course, 90 percent of the cotton all over the world is not organic. It's uh, GMO, it's genetically modified. Uh, to, you know, yield better crops and, you know, yield a higher uh, quantity or being pest resistant. Uh, it might all sound nice, you know, on the surface, but it's been linked to the breakdown of biodiversity and the depletion of the nutrients in the soil. Um, so GMO cotton also uses a large, large amount of water um, and it has a significant impact on the finite resources that are available to us. Um, so I think more than just understanding these terms, it's important to dig deeper to see what these specific companies are doing in order to meet, you know, these uh, sort of fair trade or sustainability criteria. Um, just because they say that they're sustainable or ethical, it doesn't mean that they really are. And, you know, you brought about this uh, you know, concept of greenwashing these days. They're doing it mm-hmm. because they want to, you know, show that they're sustainable, but they may not be. So, um, you, of course, you can't be 100% ethical or 100% sustainable, but there is a clear difference between, you know, your high street uh, brand or a fast fashion brand and the brands that we include on People Have Planet.
0: Yes, yes, I will say whenever I'm shopping for, you know, new clothes or something and Um, you know, they use the term sustainable or ethical. I do try to look for some type of certification, you know, be it 1% for the planet or, you know, carbon neutral or, you know, something like that. But if I'm, you know, scrolling through a website and I don't see any certifications, it does, you know, kind of make me a little bit weary about purchasing from them. Um, So Also too, when I see these ethical brands and whatnot, and I see that they, their clothes are made like in Sri Lanka or Bangladesh, um, that also makes me a little wary, but you know, I do know that there are ethical, um, factories and stuff. So is there any way for consumers to know, you know, to know if the product was made in an ethical factory?
1: Uh, Well, you know, the simple and short answer is that you can't know, you know, unless you do the due diligence required. Uh, Sustainable does not mean fair trade. And this is exactly why we launched People Heart Planet, because it takes a lot of time to do this research and do the due diligence required to read the fine print and the sustainability reports, uh, you know, to kind of uh, uh, ensure that these brands are doing what they say they're doing. Um, And, you know, our lives are busy. So people um, who care, they don't have the time to do the research. Um, And of Mm -hmm. course, there are lots of resources nowadays, you know, like blogs and, um, uh, you know, even marketplaces um, that are sustainable and fair trade. But there isn't one shopping platform that made it easy for people to buy from these brands. When we came up with the idea of People Have Planet, there wasn't one ethical shopping platform, uh, not one. So now we aren't the only ones, of course, um, in this space. There are lots of, you know, players, but we're happy to be part of, you know, collaborative effort to kind of make this movement grow and uh, make a change in this world together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having having more resource sources, especially for uh, ethical and sustainable options, is is always better. So. Yeah, I think it's great what you, what you guys have created. Um, so when for, on your website, do you just have clothing or do you have other products too?
1: Yes. So we have fashion and lifestyle products. So we have clothing. Um, we have bags and shoes. We have accessories like jewelry. And we also have phone cases. So uh, I encourage you to go and check out the website. And you know, see our very, very wide collection of products that we have um, in the fashion category. Uh, but we also have lifestyle products like home decor, um, you know, uh, your sheets and other home, you know, and lifestyle products. So um, this is what, yeah, we're focusing on at the moment.
0: Wonderful. Um, is there anything that you're looking forward to expanding into in the future?
1: of course we're right now just focusing on building the site having as many products as we can from these brands and kind of improving our brands directory as well we have about 120 brands that people can choose from we want to improve that resource as well um, along with having all of the products on our site so um, that is our current focus but in the long run of course you know maybe we we would like to diversify into other categories but uh, yeah we haven't you know, really planned to do that as yet. But yeah, right now, it's only going to be fashion and lifestyle products. And okay. results well, that we currently have.
0: Right, right. That's great. Well, I think that it's such an amazing resource to have to just it's like such peace of mind, you know, being able to have all of these brands in one place, knowing that you've done your due diligence, because like you said, I don't have the time to, you know, email everybody and follow up because I'm sure a lot of brands, you know, may take a while to respond and whatnot. So, so yeah, it's you know great that you guys are are doing that. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up? Um,
1: no, I just I just want to say that you know this was born out of necessity, and I know that a lot of consumers now want to buy sustainable and they want to figure out how to identify these sustainable brands and uh, uh, fair trade brands so i would you don't really encourage people to shop um, you know with peace of mind you know when they come to people heart planet because like you said we have done the due diligence and we have done the research required to you know include these brands on our platform um, yeah mm-hmm. that's what i want to yes
0: you. yeah yes yeah you are absolutely right So um, my final question is, what does it mean to you to be a sustainable brown girl?
1: This is an interesting question for me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked a lot about this with my partner as well, Devin, um, my business partner. And, you know, it's not in regard to this interview, but just in general terms, because she's white and but she's the mother of a child that's half white and half brown or Indian. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, being brought up, uh, most of my life and living most of my life in a part of a world that is not majority white. Um, I never identified myself as Brown. Um, I know of course that I'm Brown, like, you know, more than 80% of the world is some shade of Brown. So, um, You know, it's just that I wanted to make a point that brown people have always been sustainable in their lifestyles, you know, before this globalization came about and it disrupted everything. um, You know, their uh, traditional lifestyles have always been ethical and sustainable. Um, But I do identify myself as Indian and as someone coming from a country that was colonized for, you know, close to 200 years um, and is still to some extent paying the price for it. Um, It's, I understand, you know, that when governments and corporations kind of take advantage um, and exploit other countries for their own benefit and gain. Um, And I very much want to see a fair trade movement um, and a climate change movement, which is led by the very people who are affected by these issues. You know, the, the indigenous and the brown people, it can be climate refugees, it can be, you know, people whose lands have been ravaged by the corporations for profit. Um, the garment workers, uh, these are the voices that need to be amplified and really put at the forefront of this movement.
0: Yes, very well said. Thank you so much for your perspective. I never, um, you know, have had anyone say, come at it from, from that standpoint who hasn't come from a country where it, you know, mainly I talk to Americans pretty much. So, so being Brown in America is different from being Brown in India. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for that.
1: You're welcome. welcome.
0: So tell everyone where they can find people heart planet.
1: So people Heart planet is an online platform. You can find us at www.peopleheartplanet.com. You can also find us on social, on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, our handle is People Heart Planet. So do check us out, and uh, you know we'll be happy to hear from you. You can DM us, you can email us, you can send us, you know, a, a, a message. We'll be really excited to get in touch.
0: Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really great talking to you. Thank you, and. Yes, please go visit People Heart Planet and do all your shopping through them. And yes, thanks again for coming on. Thank you
1: so much for having me.
0: Wow, what a great conversation with Mathry. Learning about the differences between the different labels and that one isn't necessarily better than the other. It just depends on your values and which brands you want to support. If you want to keep the conversation going, follow me at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at com, and send me any questions, comments, or topic ideas to SustainableBrownGirl at com. You can catch up on the full episodes of the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Special thanks to today's sponsor, Greenhouse Mercantile. Visit greenhousemercantile.com to shop or schedule a virtual appointment with Kenya.